Welcome to the Lab Rats Podcast. You are now entering the maze. Hey everyone, Andy here. Happy Friday. Hope y'all are doing well. Got a little bonus episode for you today. So a few weeks ago, Aaron and I had a chance to sit down with uh, Tristan Patrick. We followed each other on social media for a while. He is a CrossFit coach uh, out at Skylab Fitness in Webster, Texas. And uh, we had a great conversation on CrossFit, nutrition, uh, stoicism, and thought now would be the perfect time to share it since it is the last weekend of the 2021 CrossFit Open. Tristan also has his own podcast called the Principle Driven Performance Podcast, which you can uh, find on Spotify, Google Podcasts. Uh, so go check that out. You can go check him out on Instagram at Tristan P underscore coaching. That's T-R-I-S-T-O-N P underscore coaching. Or find him on Facebook at uh, Tristan Patrick. Had a really great conversation. Had a fun time talking with him about some of our hobbies. So uh, yeah, enjoy. But um, no, thanks for doing this. I know we we followed each other for a while, so it's nice to actually talk with you face to face or virtually. Yeah, semi face to face. No, I yeah. love your guys' podcast. I love the I love the stuff you guys put out. I think it's awesome. Yeah, thanks. Are where where are you located? Are you in Texas? Yeah, yeah. So I live down in like the greater Houston area, basically. Okay. So Texas Texas is the place to be. Everyone's moving there, <laughs> dude. Texas has it going on. I like Texas. I'm not originally yeah. from Texas. Uh, I moved here. The uh, first time I moved here was in the Army. I was stationed in Fort Bliss in El Paso. Yeah. And then when I got out of the Army, I moved out here to Houston. Um, so, yeah, I okay. love Texas. Yeah, cool. How many years were you in the Army for? Uh, about four years. Okay. And then did you, um, like, were you into, like, fitness, CrossFit, health during that time? Or did you kind of shift over afterwards? I started getting into it while I was in the army. So, uh, yeah, I wrestled like my senior year in high school. And that was kind of what really got me into like working hard and and that stuff. Uh, Prior to that, I just played soccer my whole life and then joined the army and I got really into MMA actually. Oh, nice. Um, So I got really into that. And then I went overseas for a year and we couldn't really punch each other in the face all the time because everybody had to be like operational ready, you know? Yeah. So I was like, well, I guess I'll just try to get like big and strong. And, uh, I just started doing like the bro thing. And then through that, I saw the CrossFit games on ESPN one day and I was like, what in the world? These guys are jacked and doing all this mm-hmm. stuff. Like, what is the deal with this? And, uh, just kind of started doing it on my own there. And then when I got back, I started going to a gym and been into it ever since. Wanted to start coaching, just fell in love with it, the diversity of it, the difficulty of it, the just the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, there's, there's a lot of community in CrossFit, which I know like CrossFit people get a bad rap because, you know, they're just, uh, it's almost a, um, it's almost a cult, I guess, in some ways. But like there, <laughs> there really is, like if you find the right box. Like there really is a good, very encouraging uh, community aspect of it that I think is missing when you go to like a YMCA or planet fitness. For sure. For sure. I think it, I think it really comes from that shared discomfort. 
Mm. Like there's a lot of camaraderie, you know, like in the military and, and things like that, law enforcement, EMS, and like one parallel that I think goes over into the CrossFit world is you're all doing really uncomfortable stuff together. Mm -hmm. Um, and just something about that, I think brings human beings together. Um, you just start to rely on each other more and stuff. So I think that's a big part of it. Anyway, yeah, what's cool about that is that it doesn't matter if you are like with CrossFit specifically, it doesn't matter if you've been in it for 10 years or if you literally have never been in a gym in your life, like those two people can still like relate to the same exact thing because you can scale the workouts to how you want it. So these two people seemingly are in completely opposite fields are still bonding essentially over this workout because it's it's very similar. They're doing the right. same thing. They're both suffering. And uh, yeah, the uh, the community aspect there is strong. No, yeah, um, for sure. So I want to get into like some some like applicable training tips. I think something you talk about um, on on Instagram is like ways to improve our training through things like sleep, through through nutrition, periodization, uh, right. consistent training. So like, could could you break down each of those? Maybe starting with like sleep and and how that relates to improving our our daily training um, with whether that's CrossFit or whether that's something outside of CrossFit. Yeah, for sure. So sleep, I mean, it's the most, I think, underrated, but most effective recovery method we have as human beings. Like when we sleep, our body repairs tissues, it, you know, our hormones reset and all of these things. And it's really, I think there's a stigma in our culture right now of like, you just got to grind and like, you know, four hours of sleep is the way. And it's really detrimental to our training progress. I mean, uh, one of my favorite quotes from one of the gentlemen of the active life that I love so much is the only reason we work out is to create the opportunity to recover. And it's just so true mm-hmm. when you look at the literature on training and recovery. So if you're training really hard, you're creating that opportunity. But then if you're not sleeping, you're taking away your number one best thing to do to recover. You know, I see it mm-hmm. with people in gyms and clients all the time and they're like, well, I got my supplements and my CBD oils and my chiropractor visits and my massage. And I'm like, okay, cool. And they're like, yeah, I still don't feel great. I'm like, well, how much sleep do you get a night? And they're like, I don't know, like four hours. And I'm like, (laughs) dude, come on. Yeah. Like no amount of chiropractic visits is going to repair your tissue like it would if you doubled up or, you know, hit 10 hours of sleep. So I think, I think there's a good push right now for sleep to get more popularized. Um, Mm -hmm. but it, yeah, it's the number yeah one. We've, we've talked about it before. Like if there was a pill you could take that would give you the benefits of sleep, everyone would be taking it. Yes. But, and, and I mean, that's why like all these athletes, like all the CrossFit games athletes and, and even, you know, people in the, like the NBA and NFL, I mean, they prioritize sleep because they just, they know how important it is. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. have experienced it significantly in my own kind of training and stuff. I used to train super competitively. I wanted to go to regionals and all that stuff. And there was a time when, I mean, I was training two hours a day, like three times a day and I was sleeping 10 hours a night though. I didn't Mm -hmm. have nearly the responsibilities that I do now in my life. And I mean, I'm 20, I'm almost 27. Then I was 25, but sleeping 10 hours a night at 25 years old, eating a, you know, a proper amount of calories. I was Superman. I could do whatever the mm-hmm. freak I wanted to yeah. in the gym. It didn't matter. Yeah. But then the minute my schedule changed and I went from 10 hours of sleep to like six and a half to seven, maybe seven and a half, I immediately felt it in my training and recovery. 
Mm-hmm. I could not recover from the training volume anymore. And I had to pull yeah. back. Do you track your sleep with like a, a whoop or aura or anything like that? Or do you just kind of have a rough estimate? No. So I use a uh, sleep cycle on my phone. Okay. Um, and I have a Garmin instinct, uh, watch that tracks sleep. I don't mm-hmm. actually like sleeping with it. It's kind of bulky. Yeah. Um, but I've slept with it before for a couple months at a time during quarantine. Um, I was doing a lot more like long distance running. So I was really curious what that would do to like my resting heart rate and stuff like that. And then sleep cycle on the phone, I think is good, but I don't think it's great if you sleep with another person. Is that um, where it like records like the sound in the room and it kind of determines if yeah. you're moving throughout the night? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It listens to like your breathing and stuff. So like you could mm-hmm. be just knocked out, but your significant other could just be freaking out next to you. Right. And sleep cycle is going to be like, oh, your sleep was trash when really you might have slept really well. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Yeah. No sleep is huge. We talk about it. It's like one of our favorite things to talk about. And, you know, another big thing that we talk about a lot is, um, is nutrition. I mean, nutrition in general, but like how, how do you fuel yourselves for, for these big workouts? I mean, CrossFit requires a lot of energy, you know, depending on the day. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and nutrition itself is a form of recovery. I mean, that's, that's the fuel, um, to repair fuel in order to actually function, do the workout. So, I mean, what's kind of your philosophy? There's a lot of different philosophies on nutrition out there. Be curious to hear what you think. So I'm very like evidence-based with my nutrition prescriptions for my nutrition clients and and what I, you know, say certain people should do. Um, My gym members like to give me a hard time and say, I hate keto, but I I don't hate keto. I just hate the way it's usually applied. Mm. Um, So if we're looking at a CrossFit setting, right? Like the first thing you have to understand is you need adequate fuel, just total calories. Um, CrossFit is a glycolytic based activity. So we need carbohydrate. One of my greatest like disdains is from CrossFit HQ that they've created a fitness methodology that is completely based in the glycolytic pathway. And they tell everybody not to eat carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. It drives me up the freaking wall. Um, Yeah. I found that a lot of people that do like, I, I I go in and out of like, like lower carb. It just kind of depends on the situation, but I do notice that like lower carb, like I feel good throughout the day, but like, I don't have, it, it does take out like an extra oomph when I'm doing like CrossFit base workouts. It's like, you don't have that next gear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's a good way. I think to describe it, the most important thing really, in my opinion, with the carbohydrate relationship with CrossFit or high intensity style training in general is so when we're training at super high intensities, right, we're super sympathetic. We've got a lot of cortisol going in the nervous system response and stuff like that. And that's great. We need that because that allows us to metabolize fat, you know, glycogen, all that stuff to train super hard. But one of the beautiful things about carbohydrates is when you intake carbohydrates after a super hard workout, it helps shut off that cortisol response and get you out of a sympathetic state quickly back into a parasympathetic state, right? So when Mm -hmm. we do that, we get back into recovery or at least baseline a lot faster. And I think that's one super critical if you're, you know, a super hardcore athlete, but I think it's also very underrated for regular gym goers or regular high intensity exercisers, because if you don't shut off that cortisol response, you're going to keep producing cortisol 
And then we eventually, if we do that chronically over and over and over and over again, we start to lead into things like adrenal fatigue, HPA axis dysfunction, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. You can't go to sleep at night. You wake up exhausted. So that's really like my biggest crux for like, hey, you need carbohydrates, especially if you're doing high intensity exercise and you need it in adequate amounts. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I I think uh, again, like sleep, like carbs have kind of been seen as like the enemy and that's not necessarily the case. Like carbs aren't always bad. Now, like the type of carbs you eat matters. Like it's, you're going to be much better fueled on, you know, an apple than you would be a bowl of fruit loops or something like the type of carbs you eat does matter, but yeah, it's not necessarily the enemy. Like it's kind of made out to be, and I've known like a lot of people in the CrossFit community who have tried to do keto specifically with CrossFit. And it, what I've seen, I have not seen anybody do it successfully. It's, it's very hard to, may, maybe somebody can, but um, in my experience, I've seen a lot of people try it. And with, with CrossFit type training where you're at this very high intense level, it they right. don't seem to match up very well. Um, yeah, your body just can't, it just doesn't have the fuel for that mm-hmm. kind of effort. So, yeah. Now maybe for like more like endurance training stuff where you mm -hmm. can kind of use those those ketones as fuel over a longer duration. If you're doing like a a long, maybe if you're doing like a a 10,000 meter row or something like that, where it's like long and steady, but if you're doing something like Fran or or, or gray, something super quick, just done in a few minutes, then yeah, you need stuff you can convert very quickly to fuel. What a lot of people don't realize is like, I could write you a mixed modal workout, right? And I could have it be a ketone based or a fat based burning workout. You just have to go super chill, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. that's the, that's the crux of it is it's not so much what the movements are. It's the intensity in which you approach the movements. And that's how right. our bodies, our physiology prioritizes fuel source. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and then like, you know, I feel like people, I mean, it depends. It depends on the person, right? It depends on like what your, what workout you're doing. It depends what your, what your goals are. But like for me personally, even like, I feel like no matter what kind of workout I write, it's, I, I always like try to take it up a notch and go like, like faster or I make it high, high intensity. So yeah, for something like that. Um, yeah, I think carb carbs aren't, aren't always the enemy. So that's a really good point. So and are you, do you like change your nutrition or what you prescribe or what you do personally? Like, do you change that based upon what your workout looks like that day or what your workout looks like that week? Does your diet shift around that? Mine doesn't because my training is pretty consistent, like okay. as far as modalities and time durations. Um, most of the times I think it's a little bit in the weeds for really trying to change like okay, I'm going to do a really long run one day. Um, so I'm going to eat more fat and not as much carb. Our body resynthesizes glycogen in a 48 hour window. So like you're using the glycogen your body made about two days ago from your carbohydrate intake, mm-hmm. give or take. So I've never really dove into the weeds too much with that. If we're talking to like competitive CrossFitters, um, there's a couple little nutrition hacks like that, that you can try to do like, if somebody has to do a really gymnastics heavy workout, uh, their pre-workout meal, we kind of want to shy away from fats because fats are going to be really slow to digest. They're going to sit in your stomach. Mm-hmm. It's going to make you feel bloated and sluggish and not snappy and you know light. Um, the flip side of that would be like 
if you're going into an event or a competition and you have to, you know, lift super, super heavy, we might want to prioritize a little more fat and more carbohydrate in your pre-workout meal about 90 minutes prior, just so that your endocrine system and your hormonal responses are fueled and, and ready. And so they can have that robust response to lifting, you know, a maximal load. But I think as far as a daily application, for most people, it's a little bit too far in the weeds. Carb cycling, mm-hmm. you know, like there's some efficacy to that. Um, but even then, like I've had clients who do carb cycling and they do CrossFit. So we've always, even on their lower carb days, they've prioritized carbohydrate intake pre and post CrossFit or high intensity training and then at night. So then they can resynthesize their fuel sources. Mm. Yeah. Makes sense. Now for, for like the everyday person, I think most people like have their, you know, consistent schedule that they do. They work out, you know, at the same time every day. How do you like personally, and how do you try to teach people to like, listen to your body and like, and basically, basically make that decision. Like, okay, I, I need to rest. Like, what are, what are some things that you look for when, cause I mean, like, especially with CrossFit, like some workouts can look very different from day to day. And, you know, maybe you didn't get sleep the prior day or, or you have other stressors. So like, how do you, how do you gauge and how do you kind of teach people to gauge how, how intense they should take it? It's really hard. <laughs> I think it's, I think that is probably one of the most difficult things to, to learn about yourself. I mean, I struggled with it for a really, really long time. Um, one of the things I really pay attention to and I tell people to pay attention to is how my joints feel. Um, most of us have like one achy joint, you know, shoulder, low back, mine's my low back, whatever. Um, and consistently for myself, if my recovery and stuff is subpar, then, you know, my back just kind of doesn't feel so hot. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, maybe I need to take some weight off the bar or, or, you know, maybe just pull back the intensity on the workout a little bit. Um, something I played with for a while and I actually kept a really detailed logbook on it. And I think had a little bit of efficacy is like, do you want to train? And this is hard because, you know, sometimes we all know discipline is better than motivation, right? Like right. you're not always mm-hmm. going to be motivated. Yeah. But if if getting to the gym that day feels like pulling your eyeballs out of your sockets and just absolutely no movement you can think of or workout or anything sounds appealing, just take a day. It's okay. Mm-hmm. You're not you're not going to detrain in 24 hours. You know, this goes back to kind of that physical culture thing we have in America. It's like we got to go hard every day. It's like mm-hmm you know, VO two max doesn't even start to go down for 48 to 56 hours of zero training. And that, you know, conditioning response is the first thing to go when you start to detrain your strength's not going anywhere. You know, your gymnastics isn't going anywhere. Just, just chill. It's okay. Um, the last thing that I, it's not the last thing, but the last thing I would mention that I really try to tell people to pay attention to is their sleep. Like we kind of already talked about, like if you just didn't sleep for crap and, or you got a whole, you know, you only got a whole four or five hours of sleep. It's not necessarily detrimental to train, but you know, maybe just keep it at like a seven out of 10 today. Maybe, maybe you don't try to win the CrossFit games today. Mm -hmm. Um, because that risk for injury and stuff just skyrockets when your sleep is off um, and then you try to push into those maximal efforts or maximal weights. Yeah, no, those are, that's great points. I'm glad you said all that. 
like something, one of my biggest like gripes with the CrossFit community or just the strength and conditioning, all the, just the workout community. Some, one of my biggest gripes is like the need to, I guess, CrossFit specifically like to do the workout that's written for that day. Like I have to do RX today. I, if, if my friend's doing it and I usually stack up to his standards, I have to do that. Even if I feel like crap, even if uh, a muscle's aching, uh, even if I'm sick, like I, I don't like that mentality in CrossFit. Like I, I get it. Um, but it's, it's not the smartest thing to do. Like we're in this for the long run. We're not in this to win the CrossFit. Most people are not in this to win the CrossFit games. They're in this to, to be able to move into their nineties. And to do that, you have to be smart. Like, like you said, if, if you get six hours of sleep one night, you know, tone it back the next day. Like you, you don't have to do that, you know, hardcore workout every single day. Um, l- listen to your body. I think, I think that's great advice and something that, a lot of CrossFitters tend to ignore. It's difficult, I think, for coaches in the CrossFit space as well, right? Because you're writing a group program and, Mm -hmm. you know, training and nutrition is always an N equals one experiment. Everybody's a little bit different. So I can write the best group plan, you know, group training program that I can come up with and I can have one client who does a workout and he's completely fine the next day. And I can have another client who comes in, even if they have the same relative training age and all that stuff. And he can't sit on the toilet because his quads are so sore. Mm -hmm. So it's like as coaches, you have to be able to make adjustments on the fly for people. Like, Hey man, like if you can't do an air squat without excruciating pain after you've warmed up, then let's just sub the movement. It's Mm -hmm. okay. Like let's Mm -hmm. do something else. You're going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's great advice. And that's something that like, you know, as an athlete, like, I've never been a, a coach before that, you know, you don't think about like, that's an additional challenge that, that you have to, you have to gauge. And then also that's a good segue into like injuries, um, which are, which are common really in any, any kind of exercise, but you know, CrossFit, um, you gotta be especially careful about, cause like the movements, mm-hmm. depending on what you're doing, movements have to be precise. And like, if you do them wrong, you throw in too much weight, you can get injured pretty quick. So like, what are some of your biggest you know, pieces of advice for preventing injury. So I actually, this is one of the few things that I subscribe to super old school CrossFit methodology on. I think they hit it on the head when they said, you know, mechanics, consistency, and then, and only then intensity. I just think for some reason that never got pushed out to the mm-hmm. masses and coaches trying to be cool and get members didn't really implement very well. So I think the number one thing is, you know, you have to look at the prerequisite movements. So if I program a workout with full squat snatches for my gym, right, and I have members coming to my group classes who can't overhead squat properly, well, if you can't overhead squat, you can't squat snatch. And you Mm -hmm. sure as shit can't do it under fatigue. Mm -hmm. So we have to change that movement, right? It's, It's just as simple as that. Um, so I think a lot of that falls on coaches because the members, most of them aren't going to know, like, they're just going to be like, Oh, this is what the board says. Let's do it. So as a coach, you have to really know your members and you have to know how to pull back layers of an exercise to still get the same stimulus, um, through changing the movements, right? Like you want some kind of an overhead stability stimulus, or you want some kind of an overhead stimulus with lay or, you know, squatting pattern or whatever. Um, So I think that pulling back the layers to keep people safe with what their ability to do, you know, like if you have a 55 year old dude who spent 30 years in a Globo gym doing nothing but bench press and he's never done a row in his life, he's 
may never squat overhead squat full depth all the way with, you know, good enough technique to be Mm -hmm. safe. So it's like, you just have to have that conversation with people and adjust the workout, reminding them that this isn't about a leaderboard. This is about Mm -hmm. health and fitness. And you're still going to get just as good of a workout and training response and be able to do all the things you want to do in your life. Even though, you know, Joe did squat snatches and Sally didn't. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a big part of that too, is like one thing I try to think about is, is longevity, right? Like we're all in this for the long run. And, you know, if I can't throw, you know, huge weights around at at 90 years old, that's fine. But like, I want to be mobile. I want to be able to be fully functioning. And sometimes I think people, I mean, pushing yourself is good, obviously, but pushing you to the point of like injury and to the point where now you're kind of, uh, you're hurting your joints and and you're Mm -hmm. reducing the longevity of that. Um, I think that's when you run into a problem. So yeah, I think there's a balance there for, for working out for longevity. It's a, it's a difficult dichotomy to manage for sure, because we, you know, we need to push to get adaptation and we want to push because, you know, people like to work hard, but the easiest way I think to bring it back to people is like, okay, so you're not sure how this might go today. And if you push too hard, you get injured. Well, what happens when you get injured? Rehab, surgery, weeks, months out of the gym. You may never be the same as you are right now because of the decision you make in one moment to do something that you probably know deep down inside isn't smart. Right. And it's tough. Like I've done it myself. Like I was, when I was super competitive, if it was written on my programming, it got done. It didn't matter how I felt. And you know, a couple minor back tweaks, you know, later and being a 22 year old kid and not being able to sit down on the toilet without his mom's help <laughs> kind of opens your eyes. You're like, right. Oh, okay. Maybe, maybe I need to make some changes and be a little bit smarter. And the beautiful thing is like, you can get back to where you were and better, but you just have to be diligent on being smart with what you do. Mm -hmm. So do you track, I know there's kind of like mixed uh, opinions on this, but do you track like your one rep maxes and like really pay attention to, to your reps and your weights and like try to improve that over time. Do you do that with your, with your clients or do you kind of just like, um, go based upon feel each day and not really pay attention to the numbers? So I track my one rep maxes just cause I like to know, I like mm-hmm. to think I'm not at the end of my road yet. So <laughs> I want to know that I'm continually getting better. Um, but I don't track them like, obsessively. Mm -hmm. Like I don't know every variation of every lift. It's just like, you know, like, Oh, I hit this on clean and jerk. It's like, all right, that's a PR cool. Like, um, and in my gym and for my clients that I do programming for, we do one rep max testing, um, which I like for a couple different reasons. Number one, most people enjoy it. Number two, one rep maxing is actually the safest maxing to do. If you look at the literature, uh, like a five rep max or a 10 rep max, especially on stuff like back squat or deadlift is much more injurious, Mm. um, than just going for a heavy single or maybe a double. Um, so it's generally a little bit safer way for people to find their maxes. Um, but I'm also a big subscriber of like the heavy single. Um, if, if you look at uh, a lot of Soviet and um, like Pacific Asian countries, like weightlifting programs in particular, you know, you'll see like some Olympic lifter hit a PR back squat in the training hall 
for worlds and it looks like 80%. So it's mm-hmm. like, but that is truly a PR, mm-hmm. but could they do more? Yes. Do they need to do more? Maybe not. So I, I've kind of fallen in love with the idea of, and I try to subscribe this to my clients and the people I train, like work up to something that feels difficult and then continually in, increase what you do in training and then, like you said, like you guys have said, this is longevity. So, you know, before you know it, you're going to walk in the gym in two years and you're just going to, we're going to work up to a heavy single and you're going to PR your back squat by 35 pounds. And you're going to be like, oh, that was cool. Back mm-hmm. to, back to regularly scheduled, you know, progressions and yeah. programs. So yeah. I think the obsession in, in like Western culture with like, what's your max is, not the best thing. I think if we could get rid of that, the world would be a better place. Um, it's just yeah. not the smartest thing to always push. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, and I mean, that's a good transition into, into something that you actually post about a lot and that's mindset, like clearly sleep, nutrition, you know, recover, listening to your body, you know, being safe are all important elements to improving your training. But like for you, how, how does mindset kind of factor in, you know, going into a workout or, or maybe for your clients, um, just in, like into your overall health, you're, I know you, you talk about stoicism a lot. We've been big into that. So like how, how has that navigated its way into training for you? I think, you know, I don't really know how it came about. It just kind of started happening. I started getting really into it. Um, I think I related it a lot to training because, I see a lot of times people bleed out what happens in the gym into other aspects of their life, right? Like, oh, my day's ruined because I didn't do well in this workout or like whatever. And I think one of the most valuable things from a mindset perspective that we can do with our training is, you know, you give your best effort and you do the best you can. And then you look at it objectively, like today might not have been the best day. But does that affect anything else outside of my life? Well, no, it doesn't matter. Like your friends still love you. Your family still mm-hmm. loves you. You know, it doesn't change anything. And I think, you know, approaching different workouts, it's hard. It's a dichotomy, right? There's so many of them in our lives because it's like certain workouts, you know, Fran, Grace, whatever. It's like, okay, like this is going to suck. Mm-hmm. Here, here we go. I need to, you have to get in that mind space to like go there. Um, but I think a lot of times uh, the concept that Charles Poliquin talked about with like greasing the groove is so much more better. Like I'm going to go in, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to work at about 80% effort, you know, rate of perceived exertion. And I'm going to get better at what I'm doing because you're not pushing too hard to be injurious or just really destroy your energy systems or your body, but you're definitely pushing hard enough to be making adaptation, right? It's the whole conversation between, uh, what's that? What's it called? It's like maximal like stress or minimum effective dose, maximum Mm. survivable Mm. dose or something Mm -hmm. like that. Uh, and it's like, well, you're both going to end up here. It's just one curve is this and one curve is this. And the chance of you getting injured on this curve is way higher than the chance of you getting injured on this curve. Mm -hmm. But you're going to end up in the same place eventually. 
Yeah. Oh, that's a good way to look at it. I haven't thought about it that way. I saw that the first time I saw that was from um Dr. Mike Israel from Renaissance Periodization. Um they're like my go-to when I'm trying to learn anything like bodybuilding, hypertrophy related. And uh a lot of the things they talk about with like minimum effective dose, maximum recoverable volume, um, minimum effective volume with like bodybuilding split hypertrophy training has a lot of merit in Olympic lifting, high intensity, functional bodybuilding, um, CrossFit spaces. It's just not ever really talked about. It's, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. the easy way to talk about is like somebody was like, well, I want to do 150 wall balls. And it's like, okay, cool. How much of those 150 wall balls is actually a training adaptation for you? And how much of it is just like junk volume, right? Mm -hmm, Like if you did 75 and you kept intensity and you got sore, you got adaptation. So if you, the extra 75 just destroys you even more and makes it to where you can't train for two more days because you can't move your legs. What's the point? Right. What was the Mm -hmm. point? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great point. So like in the, in those workouts though, where, where like you, where you decide, like where, you know, you can kind of push yourself and where you can take it. Like where, when you decide, like I'm going all the way today, like mm-hmm. I, I feel ready, I feel primed. And I, like, I, I have the ability to push myself with that without injuring myself. Like those, those really rough workouts, do you have like a mantra that you say to yourself when you just like, when you want to quit, when you're like, you have a few reps left and you just like, you want to drop the barbell, you want to stop running. Like, it, do you have something that you, like, you repeat to yourself that yeah, like, how helps do you keep you going? Yeah. For me, I always remind myself, I want to, I just want to go further than anybody else. It's like, mm-hmm. so I know somebody, like if you think of it, if you're really pushing in a workout, there's two things that I really think about. One, I'll play this game with myself where it's like, I'll pretend every time I do another rep, one of my buddies that I'm competitive with drop the bar. (laughs) So it's like, I'm just outlasting people. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing that I try to remind myself in like really gross, like awful workouts is I think I like to choose my discomfort um, this is something a coach of mine from a couple years ago and I talked about often and we still talk about often is we don't really have a lot of discomfort in life. And this kind of loops back to, you know, stoicism and stuff like that. So I'm going to choose to push and make this as absolutely as uncomfortable as I can possibly make it to figure out how far I can push myself and to know I have what I need to if something else in my life happens that requires more of me, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, an easy way that I've talked about this with other people is we don't have a need in our societies these days to be big and strong and fast and endure. Like we don't, we mm-hmm, just don't, right. right? But God forbid you find yourself wanting in that moment because should that moment arise and you don't have it, you're not going to have it. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you have nothing like you have nothing to, there's no magical pull it out of my ass. Like, you know, it's the old adage. We don't rise to the occasion. We fall to the level of our training. Um, Mm -hmm. And for me, it's just, 
like I'm still competitive in some ways, but I just want to be the strongest organism I can be both mentally and physically. So part of that is having the mental and physical discipline to push my body into a very, very uncomfortable place. So when I have that why figured out and concrete in my brain, when I get to that point, it's not, why am I doing this anymore? It's like, okay, everything you've done in this workout so far was to get to this point. Mm, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, this is the only reason you're actually here. It's like, this right, when is it gets, what matters. It gets very, very difficult. Like, that's that's when you get stronger. Exactly. When you overcome those. Like, the, I, it might be, I can't remember the quote. It might be Shanti or Goggins. I can't remember. It's, it's like strength and fitness, strength in life. Like, there's so yeah. many things that overlap. Like, we've talked about it on here before. Like, overcoming that trial or that 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 pain in a workout overcoming that adversity like your brain is still like having to push through and those are things that you really can apply to other situations in life even if it's not a physical feat like you're it is a mental strengthening that you're doing on top of a physical training yes which i think is yeah just the confidence right like i can't tell you how many times i've had people in my gym or you know training partners it's like you know they're they're loading up something on the back squat for a set or something that they're like, I don't know, like, I don't know how this is going to go, but they're like, they're willing to go there and try. And then even if they don't make it, they, they feel gratified that they tried, but then most times people do make it through that set of squats or whatever. And they, they push their boundary just a little bit more. They figure out a little bit further what they're more capable of and the confidence that comes with that. And just Mm -hmm. the, like the pride and like a lot of times confidence and and stuff like that and pride can be, you know, kind of talked down on, but you, you need confidence in yourself. And like the gym is a fantastic way to build that. It's like a cornerstone. It's like, Oh, well, you know, I worked really hard. I achieved this here. It sucked, but I did it. So what else in my life can I work really hard at? It's probably going to suck just in a different Mm -hmm. way, but I can probably achieve it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's something that another thing that draws people to CrossFit is, is that concept. And a lot of people who, who have never worked out before and then come into a CrossFit gym, like they, they get that, that feeling, that satisfaction of trying something, failing, trying something, failing, trying something, succeeding. And then they take that and that application into other areas of their life. And you start seeing not just their fitness improving, but their nutrition improving, their relationships improving. And there's just, there's so many parallels to, to working out to a CrossFit community and gym that we can carry over into our life. And I think that's, that's one of the greatest draws of it. And it really helps people not, not to grow just physically, but yeah, a huge, huge mental improvement. It's, it's really a a big mental game. Mm -hmm. Uh, I agree. I, it's so important. I mean, Mm -hmm. we don't have enough adversity in our lives anymore Mm -hmm. and seeking it out voluntarily is just so beneficial. Yeah. 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 A lot of things in life that fitness I think relates to. So you are actually starting your own podcast, correct? Yeah. 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 Why don't you, why don't you pitch that? Tell us about it. Yeah. So I've had this idea for a really, really long time, uh, to kind of do a podcast on, uh, different programming styles, nutrition, training, stuff like that. I, I have kind of a unique 
set of like educational experiences. I think I've learned a lot through self-study as far as training and programming and stuff like that. And I also am finishing up my bachelor's degree in strength conditioning and bachelor of science. So there's a lot I've learned from academia and there's a lot I've learned from, you know, just my own training and self-study, you know, other people in the fitness space who are doing great things. And I just chronically see very, very low hanging fruit missed, whether it's from gym owners, coaches, programmers, fitness enthusiasts, whatever. So I just want to start providing people with more information on, you know, how to properly train, like how to progress strength, different types of periodization, different ways to train endurance, whether you're trying to train for a mile, whether you're trying to train for a 5k, whether you're trying to train for a hundred meter, right? Like what kind of nutrition needs to go along with that? What kind of issues might come up with that? Like why is five by five so cool? Why is the 20 rep squat program so cool? Do I need to do that? You know, one of the ones I see all the time is like, oh, I'm doing Hatch, the famous back squat program. And I'm like, why? And they're like, oh, I don't know. Like, I want to get stronger legs. And it's like, dude, you back squat 275. Do you really think you need to do Hatch and front squat mm-hmm. and back squat twice a week to improve your leg strength? Well, I don't know. It was like, it's <laughs> right. what this guy said yeah. on the internet. And it's like, mm-hmm. golly, man. Yeah, like, people see things and they don't like individualization isn't taken into consideration a lot. It's like, oh, I saw people do this, so it must work for me. So yeah, I think it's yeah. important that, that people understand like what I mean, I mean, same with nutrition, everything. It's like what, you know, where am I at? Where am I trying to go? I mean, that influences everything. There there is no one size fits all with with fitness and, and nutrition. Well, going back to the original like thing we talked about with sleep and recovery, it's like, oh yeah, you're gonna do hatch, right? And you sleep four hours a night. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> good luck. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that's the, it's the principle driven performance podcast. So I'm pretty excited. Okay. Um, that's awesome. It's a totally new endeavor. I was just kind of like, you know what? I'm just going to do this. See what happens. Yeah. No, cool. Well, we can, um, we can link that in the show notes. So yeah. Thanks guys. Yeah. No, man, this was fun. Thank I appreciate you. You dropped a lot of, a lot of good tips on here. Um, so yeah, thanks. Thanks for joining us. This was fun. Awesome. I have a quote that I wanted to leave you guys with. Oh, let's um, do it. Perfect. On on stoicism, since you know we all kind of appreciate it. Yeah. Awesome. This is my favorite stoic quote. Okay. Um, it's from Epictetus, and it says, "That's why the philosophers warn us not to be satisfied with mere learning, but to add practice and then training. For as time passes, we forget what we learned, and end up doing the opposite." and hold opinions the opposite of what we should.